I just came back from the men's retreat last night. They're, the men are just doing a great job getting to know each other, uh, learning from the Word of God. But we have a guest speaker today, our, uh, my friend Eddie Bion. He is actually quite famous. He's a, uh, you know, I was writing out his bio. He is a pastor, professor, author, and this is the first time, a producer, all at the same time. Um, he has pastored uh, churches out in Korea, Australia, and now up north uh, called uh, Venture uh, Christian Church. It's a fairly large church out up in the San Jose area. He has taught at two different um, seminaries out in Korea. He's authored three books. Um, probably the one that many of you may be aware of is Justice Awakening, um, Social Injustice, Human Trafficking. We have a few copies of this book as well as uh, two of his other books out in the uh, main hall if you want to take, take a look. We just have a few copies for sale. Um, he also uh, was the executive pastor of a short film called Save My Soul, Human Trafficking in Korea. Uh, it, it's everywhere. And so this uh, won, uh, won um, a few awards, and that's dear to his heart um, and part of what God has called him to not only pastor the church, uh, teach young men and women in seminary education, but to really bring awareness to the evils of society. Um, I know he's doing work in the Philippines now. It's a new work. Uh, um, uh, uh, helping children who used to uh, be in that industry. It's a, yeah, it's a horrible thing. And um, well, I'm so delighted uh, that, uh, Ed, um, that Eddie is here today. I don't know if you're going to talk about it. You can, you can talk a little bit about it if you like. But hey, would you welcome Eddie Bion uh, this morning? Good morning. It's a privilege to be here, and I, yeah, I do want to thank you, your leadership, especially Pastor Steve, for the invitation. Uh, it's, it's been really, I've been really blessed getting to know Pastor Steve over the past year, and just to see what a shepherding heart and what a visionary he has for people. Uh, I love to see how he invests into people, and that's a real blessing to have. Um, I, uh, yeah, let's pray before we uh, begin. If we could just ask that God would speak to our hearts change us and uh, deepen our faith as we uh, hear from his word for us today. Let's spend a moment in prayer. Father, we thank you that you are here through the presence of your Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, we do welcome you to come and ready the soil of our hearts to be good soil, to receive your word with joy and gladness, but also to leave this place different, changed, more in love with Jesus, more trusting in who you are. And God, we just pray blessings over this church that you would continue to raise it up to be a beacon of light in this community, uh, that this world would see the goodness of Christ through the body of Christ here. And God, we ask that you would also allow us to see you in your beauty today. Open our eyes that we may see more of your goodness through your word. Open our ears to hear your voice. And open our hearts that we would walk in faith ever closer to you. So now let the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be pleasing in your sights. O Lord, our rock and redeemer. And in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 
You know, uh, I grew up in Chicago, and uh, so in light of that, I'm a huge uh, Chicago Cubs fan. And uh, I, I know I'm—I I don't know if I should have said that because you know, it's, it's tense here with uh, with the Dodgers. I know this is Dodger Town, uh, but I, I share that because a few years ago, when the Cubs won the World Series, um, it was—I I got a taste of heaven uh, because of just almost over a century worth of burden and curse lifted. Um, I remember I was in Korea when they won, and I was literally, I kid you not, I was jumping up and down for joy. Um, and so I know that there's going to be something that we experience in a similar way when we enter glory and the burden of sin is lifted. You know, in Chicago, we have four distinct seasons, uh, you know, baseball, football, basketball, and uh, hockey. And I, I know for a lot of us, too, those are the seasons that we go by. You know, uh, as I said, I really love baseball a lot. And one story that I really enjoy is about a little, there's a story of a little boy who was in Little League. He was getting ready for, uh, you know, Little League season start. So he goes to the local park by himself to practice. So he has a bat, you know, a ball, and he wants to work on his hitting. And so he's trying to pump himself up, and, you know, he's trying to encourage himself that he's, he's going to be a better player than he was before. And so he throws the ball up in the air. He swings and he says, I'm the greatest hitter in the world. And as he swings, he misses. And Balder, he goes, it's all right, it's only strike one. And he picks up the ball again. He throws it up and he says, I'm the greatest hitter in the world. And he swings and he misses again. He's like, oh man, that's strike two. So one last time, he goes, that's okay, I got one more, one more chance. He throws the ball up in the air. He goes, I'm the greatest hitter in the world. And he swings and he strikes out again. And so he picks up the ball and he goes, do you know what this means? This means I am the greatest pitcher in the world. <laughs> you know, perspective is key for the different seasons of life that we go through. Perspective is also key in understanding the providence of God who guides us through these seasons. And as a people of faith, I want to look at the importance of understanding how we need to view the seasons and view the God who guides us through these seasons through our passage today. So if you have your Bibles, open up or turn in your smartphones to Ecclesiastes chapter 3. Uh, we'll be looking at verses 1 to 15, and also you could follow along with me in your outlines as well that's been provided for you. And we want to look at and learn how to truly live by faith through all the seasons of life that God may lead us in. There's a few important things that we want to highlight for today. And the first thing that we learn in our passage is that there are different seasons for everything. There are different seasons for everything. Let's look at Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verse 1. It says, For everything there is a season and a time for every matter under heaven. And so this chapter begins by letting us know that God has a proper time for everything. And in fact, God has a perfect time for everything within our lives. Now, in Scripture, uh, there are two key words for time that is used. The first is chronos, from which we get the word chronology. And that's the you know, regular passing of days and years, months, hours, seconds. It's the regular passing of time as we usually calculate time, chronos. But also in Scripture, they have another word for time, and that is kairos. 
And that refers to the right season, the right proper moment of opportunity that comes our way as well. And that Kairos season of time is what this chapter is about. Let's continue on verse 2 and following. There's a time to be born and a time to die, a time to plant and a time to be to pluck up what is planted, a time to kill and a time to heal, a time to break down and a time to build up, a time to weep and a time to laugh, a time to mourn and a time to dance, time to cast away stones and a time to gather stones together, a time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing, a time to seek and a time to lose, a time to keep and a time to cast away, a time to tear and a time to sow, a time to keep silence and a time to speak, a time to love and a time to hate, time for war, and a time for peace. So this is revealing there's a right time for everything under heaven. And to know the seasons of life is wisdom, according to Scripture. Proverbs 6.6 says, Look to the ant, you sluggard. Right? Very encouraging verse right there. Right? Look to the ant, you sluggard. Consider its ways and be wise. Now, isn't that strange? Why are ants lifted up in Scripture? Why are ants in the book of Proverbs considered wise in the Bible? You know, they're small. They seem insignificant. And as kids, you love stepping on them and killing them, right? Now, why are they lifted up in Proverbs? Well, ants are wise because they know what season it is in their lives. Proverbs 30.25 also tells us that ants are creatures of little strength, yet they store up food in the summer. You see, they're considered wise because they know what season it is in life, and they live according to that season. They know that there's a time when winter is coming, and so ants need to store up food in the summer. So when it's picnic season, ants get busy. So wise people know what time it is in life and they live in light of the proper season that they are in. The wise student knows that it is a season of storing up knowledge, right? Are you single? Is this the season that you are in? Then we need to heed the words of Paul who is also single. It says, I wish you were all like me. And why does he say that? Because as a season of singleness, that is a season to live in undivided devotion and service to the Lord. You know, while I was pastoring in South Korea, um, we had the congregation that I was pastoring, we had a lot of young working professionals, you know, recent graduates from college. And um, a lot of times they would be here just for a few years and then go back to their home countries. They would be here for a two-year contract or something like that. And uh, God kind of convicted our leadership uh, one year to challenge our singles uh, with heeding the words of Paul and say, you know what? Um, when you're single, you don't have the same concerns of spouse or children or finding schools and all this stuff. So why don't you, when your contracts expire here, instead of assuming that going back to your home country is the default def uh, destination by God, why don't you prayerfully seek, after your contract is up, getting the same job, but in a different country that needs a Christian presence and witness. And so we started to cast that vision. And more and more, people started to buy into that vision to the point where we sent out about 60, 70 different people from our congregation, singles, who ended up getting jobs 
you know, their current job, they didn't have to change jobs or anything, but as teachers or in medical profession, whatever, but they were starting to go to Kuwait and Afghanistan and the UK and different parts of the Middle East, Southeast Asia, all this stuff like that. And when people would ask, why are you going there to work? They would reply, because that's the vision that this church has given us. And I celebrated each person that we were able to send off because they understood that in that season of life creates different freedoms and opportunities that maybe a married person would not have. But then on the flip side, for the married people, is this the season that you are in? Embrace this season of being refined in your character into the image of Christ. If this is the season that you are in, you need to understand that you need to know the season and embrace it. One challenge that we have in this generation right now is what is called delay adolescence. And that is people who are in their 20s, 30s, 40s, now even 50s. You know, as you guys know, they still live with their parents, which is fine uh, to some degree, right? But in lo- a lot of times, they don't grow up because they don't understand that they're in a new season of living independently, a new season of taking responsibility, a new season of growing up, putting the season of toys and video games behind us and taking responsibility to care for wife, children, things like that. And to know the seasons is wisdom according to Scripture. And so there's few places uh, on this planet that will refine us to reveal selfishness and give us opportunities to extend forgiveness as marriage would. And so if that's the season that we are in, we need to grow into that of learning how to love, value covenant loyalty, how to forgive, and how to be Christ and receive Christ within that relationship. That is, a, that is wisdom according to Scripture. Are you in an extended season of winter? Learn to embrace that season as well. Learn to find joy in your journey, not because of circumstances, but because of Jesus' presence in your life. To learn to rejoice in the Lord always because of Jesus and not because you have a certain job or a certain relationship within our lives. You see, the enemy, Satan wants us to waste our seasons. Satan wants us to daydream into fantasies. Because a lot of times, single people, they wish so much they could be married. And married people, they wish so much they could be single again. Right? And that's what the enemy wants us to do. He wants us to daydream and wish we were in a different season. And while we're doing that, what happens? We are wasting the season that God has ordained for us to be in in this moment. You see, Jesus wants us to be fully alive. He has come to give life and life to the full. And part of living life to the full is learning to live fully alive in the moment and the season that we are in right now. For a lot of people I know, they love to live in the past. They live with, in nostalgia or they live in seasons of regret. Recalculating. Do you do that something? You're lying down in bed and you begin recalculating. What if I made this decision? What if I didn't make this decision? How would my life be different? Living in the past is not fully living today. And there are others of you, you love to plan and dream and you live in the future forgetting what is needed today. But we can't just wait for the season to be over. We can't just force and try to force a new season into our lives. Why? Why not? Because God 
is sovereign over every season. God is sovereign over every season. Look at Ecclesiastes 3 from verse 9 and following. It says, What gain has the worker from his toil? I have seen the business that God has given to the children of man to be busy with. He has made everything beautiful in its time. Also, he has put eternity into man's heart, yet so that he cannot find out what God has done from the beginning to the end. So it says in verse 11, that God has made everything, what? Beautiful in its proper time. So the right thing done at the right time is a beautiful thing in the sight of heaven. And it's revealing that everything has a purpose. The season that you are in right now, or wish you weren't in right now, that serves a purpose. Why? Because you have a purpose and you were made on purpose. You are not an accident. Your parents may not have planned you, but God did. And in his sovereignty, he makes everything beautiful in his time. You know, the late Ruth Graham, who was the wife of the late Billy Graham, she had a sign that hung over her kitchen that said, divine service done here three times a day. Now, it was a reminder for her that even her work at home in this season as a stay-at-home mom uh, was significant in God's sights. Be it cooking, cleaning, eating, and drinking, it carries significance when done for the Lord. So your season, whether it's as a stay-at-home mom or a scientist, it is significant to God. Because what does Scripture teach us? So that whether we eat or drink or whatever we do, we do it all to the glory of God and his name. So she walked with faith and faithfulness in whatever season of life she was in, and that is wisdom according to God's word. Let's look at verse 11 again. He says, he has made everything beautiful in his time. Also, he has put eternity into man's heart, yet so that he cannot find out what God has done from the beginning to the end. He cannot find out what he has done in the midst of it. He is confessing that there is mystery to God's sovereignty. Isaiah 55, 8 and 9 tells us, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are my ways your ways, declares the Lord. So as far as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. We cannot fully understand the ways of God sometimes. It's kind of like trying to explain physics to a puppy, right? If you have a dog that loves to chase tennis balls, right? If you're in a new place and especially, you know, with the stage angled this way, if you tell your dog, hey, you know, there's a convex cave here and there's a concave angle here. And so depending on the angle, when I throw this ball, you got to be ready because the trajectory is going to hit differently, all right? Are you trying to tell that to your dog? Is it going to understand anything? He's just going to, you know, wag his tail, you know, and say, woof, right? That's about it. Why? Because there's, there's an intellectual gap. Right? You may think your dog understands everything, right? but he doesn't, right? There's an intellectual gap between the human mind and the dog. How much higher of a gap, how much deeper of a gap is there between God Almighty, creator, and his creation, us? I say this not so that we throw out our brains when we're walking with the Lord, but I say this because we need to understand that there will be areas in our lives in this different season that God brings into our lives that we cannot fully understand what God is doing. 
But we can, through the revelation of his word, we can understand his character, his heart, his goodness in the midst of it all. Amen? And so we trust him. Because at the right time, he will allow his will to be fulfilled. Galatians chapter 4, 4 tells us, but when the fullness of time had come, again, when the Kairos moment had come, God sent forth his son, born of woman, born under the law, to redeem those who are under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons. And this is revealing that God, this is how God works. That at the right Kairos season, it is God who sent forth his son, Jesus, to be born of Virgin Mary to live this sinless life, to be crucified, dead, buried, and to rise again. That every part of his life was ordained by the sovereign hand of God. And what we can learn from that is, who is this God that we are serving, that we are following? That he is a God who is sovereign over every birth, over every life, over every suffering that happens within this life, in this fallen world that we are in. He is sovereign over every death. He is sovereign over every moment of every life. And so we trust him. That there are different seasons for everything. That God is sovereign over every season. Therefore, how should we live in light of these truths? Therefore, in every season, live for the Lord. And trust him. Live for the Lord and trust him. Let's look at Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verse 12 and following. It says, I perceived that there is nothing better for them than to be joyful and to do good as long as they live. Also that everyone should eat and drink and take pleasure in all his toil. This is God's gift to man. So instead of waiting for your next season to live fully in the one that you are in for the Lord. Today is a gift from the Lord. It is a present. It is your present from the Lord. So learn to enjoy it in faith. And verse 14, I perceive that whatever God does endures forever. Nothing can be added to it, nor anything taken from it. God has done it so that people fear before him. That which is already has been, that which is to be already has been, and God seeks what has been driven away. So whatever God does endures forever. So connect your life to God. So if you want to live a life of significance, be on mission with God because his work lasts forever. And we learn to submit each moment of our lives to the Lord in faith, in obedience, in submission to God. You know, Norman uh, Nicholas Herman was born in France in 1605. As a teenager, he fought in the French army, but during that period, he got injured and became lame in his feet. He met Christ at the age of 18, uh, but even though he met Christ, the biggest insecurity he had was living a life of insignificance. As he saw people working and being productive in the world, because of his physical handicap, he always felt inferior. And so he grew up, most of his life with that insecurity. And at the age of 50, he joined a monastery in Paris. And also when they saw him because of his physical limitations, they assigned him to kitchen duties, which he hated. He felt humiliated doing the dishes, cleaning 
all this stuff like that. He just hated it. And then one day, the Spirit of God really started to convict his heart. He says, why are you so grumpy and complaining about everything in your life? Don't you realize that you're in my presence? That whatever you do, if you do it for me, becomes glory and worship unto me. And so he started to keep a journal of all the ways that the Spirit started to speak to him and convict his heart. And then his peers within the monastery started to notice the difference that this guy was carrying, his attitude, his demeanor, everything was different about him. And they gave him a new nickname, and that nickname was Brother Lawrence. You may be uh, familiar with that journal that, which turned into a book later on called The Practice of the Presence of God which he articulates and expounds how God was teaching him to do everything in light of the presence of God that he is in. And so what's fascinating about the story is that this, monast- this monk who was assigned kitchen duty in a monastery, through that journal of lessons that he was learning, is still being read and discipling people 400 years later. He was a man who understood that when we understand that everything that God brings into our lives serves a purpose and we want to do our best in light of the presence and the providence of God in our lives, that holds great significance for our lives. There is a powerful, powerful lesson that he learned that still impacts us to this day. You see, Romans 8 reminds us that In all things, God works for good for those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. In every season, God can use it for our good and for his glory when we trust him in that season. And that kind of faith changes everything. That kind of faith changes everything when we trust him. You see, the end of our lives is good for the best is yet to come for all who are in Christ. You know, one of my favorite stories that depicts this truth goes like this. Let's say it's Friday night, and a young lady is at home waiting for a longtime boyfriend to pick her up for dinner. They didn't select a specific time, but by 6 o'clock, she's waiting at her bedroom window for evening to begin. Then 6.10, then 6.30. Finally, at 6.42, there's a honk at the driveway, and it's her boyfriend, and so she you know, gets to the uh, car passenger seat. She tries to fight back the disappointment as she storms down and sits down. Where do you want to go, he asks. I don't care, she says. Nothing can be further from the truth. Panera, he suggests. His dad manages the local Panera restaurant. So it's clear her boyfriend isn't interested on spending money tonight on her. And what can be meaningful about bagels? They pull away. When they arrive at the restaurant, she dutifully picks two. He is a, he's quiet, a sure sign of his distraction and detachments. Each slurp of her broccoli cheddar drains away her soup and her hopes for a wonderful evening. Want to go to the beach, he asks. The beach, oh boy, she thought. If she knew he wanted to go to the beach, she would not have worn her favorite cardigan sweater. What a disaster. Could anything have changed this evening? But you see, when you know the end everything changes. So let's rewind this scenario. Imagine, start of the same evening, but at six o'clock, her phone rings, and it's her friend calling from the mall. Hello? Guess who I just saw at the mall? It's your boyfriend. Girl, he was at the jewelry store, and I saw him with the ring box. Tonight is the night when you get engaged. Start planning for your wedding. Everything 
changes. Now each passing moment builds the anticipation in her heart. It's 6.10, then 6.30. Wow, she thinks he must be planning something big. At 6.42, she hears the honk from her driveway, fighting back the excitement. She tries not to run to her boyfriend's car and climbs into the passenger seat. Where do you want to go, he asks. I don't care, she says, and she means it this time. Anywhere he takes her will be perfect tonight. Panera, he suggests. His dad manages the local Panera restaurant, so it's clear he has something big planned. And bagels are shaped like a ring. (laughs) They pull away and arrive at the restaurant. As she orders, she is struck that she is picking two for as long as they both shall live. (laughs) He is quiet, a sure sign that his mind is filled with the nervous weight of this moment. She slurps her broccoli cheddar soup, checking each spoonful for a hidden ring. Want to go to the beach, he asks. The beach, oh my, the sun will set in about 30 minutes. What a perfect ending to this evening. You see, when you know how the story ends, that changes everything. So believer, how does your story end? Life may be hard now. You may have experienced dark seasons of loss and despair. But as someone who has placed their faith in Christ, how does your story end? We know it because Scripture reveals it. That before we enter glory, our story will end with a resurrection. Your perishable, dishonored, weak, fallen, frail body will die. But it will be raised as imperishable, glorious, powerful, and spiritual. That one day in our flesh, we will see God. How does our story end? When we trust in Christ, our life ends with a reunion. Though we have not seen him, we love him, and the cry of our hearts is Abba, Father, to which he will answer that cry as he sweeps up every child in his arms one day to bring us into glory. That every loved one that we have had to say goodbye to, there will be a reunion for all who have trusted in him. How does your story end? When you trust in Christ, your life too will end with a wedding. Do you realize that each time we gather and have a feast at a wedding, at family reunions with loved ones and friends, and we enjoy that meal, every good gift is from above, and that type of enjoyment and feasting is a pointer and a foreshadow and a picture of the great wedding feast that awaits all who have placed their trust in him. So you too can prepare for your wedding. You see, knowing the end changes everything. And you can trust him in every season because in Christ, there is a reason for it. This is not your final season, no matter how hard or dark it is. For every believer, your story will end in glory. Amen? Let's pray. Can we come before the Lord in faith right now? And if there's anyone here that you've never trusted in Christ. The promises that we've explored today are for those who have placed their trust in him. If you've never placed your trust in Christ, I would encourage you to do so. You could simply place your hand over your heart 
with your heart representing all of your life and say, God, I want to surrender my life to you. I want to surrender my sins to you. I want to surrender my past, my present, my future to you. But for all of us who have made that declaration of trust, can we once again say, God, I want to surrender my life, my season to you. I want to trust you through every season that you guide me through. Trusting in your sovereignty in your providence over all seasons in my life. Can we give God our hearts again and learn to walk by faith no matter what season that God has brought us through? Can we do that for a moment? Let's pray together.